0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome back to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex, associate editor and film writer at Deadline. On today's episode, I talk with Nyla Inuksuk about her debut feature alien invasion film Slashback, which is a dope film that you will got to check out, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about it first. Set in Pangnuratung Nanavut, a sleepy hamlet nestled in the majestic mountains of Baffin Island in the Arctic Ocean, Slashback opens as the village that is the subject of the film wakes up to a typical summer day. There's no school and it's 24 hour sunlight. But for Micah and her friends, the usual summer is suddenly not in the cards when they discover an alien invasion threatening their hometown. These teenagers have been underestimated their whole lives, but using makeshift weapons and their horror movie knowledge, they showed the aliens that you don't fuck with the girls from Pang. Now, from what I know and and hearing Nyla speak about the film, it's it's been quite a journey to get this created. According to her, she began pitching the film in 2016. And needed to raise enough money for the feature film, and you know had to pitch it based on working with unknown actors, and her being a first-time director, and bringing a crew into this community where nobody's ever filmed a feature film, and she had to hire a local Inuit crew to work alongside uh, professional filmmakers. It was really, it's really a fascinating story that she tells. You know when she talks about bringing it all together. But as for herself, she's pretty accomplished uh, herself and is a producer, writer, and director. Of course, she wrote Slashback. Nyla is the founder of Mixtape VR, which produces film, virtual, and augmented reality content. As a writer for Marvel Comics, which she has been, she co-created the character of Snowguard, which is a teenage superhero from the same town the film takes place in, in Slashback and the same character as a member of Marvel's Champions League. Most recently, in 2019, Anuksuk uh, was named one of the top five directors to watch by Playback Magazine. In addition to her film and digital work, she sits on the board of directors of Ontario Creates and the Glenn Gould Foundation. In 2020, she was asked by UN Women to represent Canada in discussing the future of emerging technologies in G7 countries. Nyla has participated often as an early tester of emerging technology for Google. She's also an ambassador for the Northern Indigenous Film Fund in Norway and is currently a research fellow at MIT. She has really created something special with Slashback, which is streaming now on Shutter. And again, how everything just sort of came together, uh, you know, with her filming sort of in the, you know, in a tiny corner of the world. It's really amazing. You definitely should check out the conversation. And if you like what you hear, be sure to like, review, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast on Apple and Spotify. And with that said, let's get into the conversation. So what what is it that you that you look for when looking for, for newcomers?
1: Yeah, I think that just a general um, comfort and curiosity in general is helpful um, just to be ha- being able to kind of have a little conversation at first and and for themselves to kind of be curious and and asking questions. This is, I think, I mean, especially for young people, um, I really take it very seriously working with young people. I don't really think that kids should necessarily be thinking about work um, or themselves as like people that have to go out and do a job for work, like, and so um, really trying to keep it um, we had done this, you know, short film together and then keeping it, making it feel like, okay, how do, it's fun for us to hang out and make stuff together. How about we just keep on doing this and, and we get to go and do it in Pang with a little more resources. Um, and it they were 14, 15, some their friends were starting to get summer jobs. So we were like, okay, it's kind of like your summer job, you, but we get to go and hang out together um, and try to keep the pressure off because, um, I didn't want to make it seem like for an 11 year old, they're showing up and having to perform and, you know, the, all these adults are depending on them to get the the day done. Cause I feel like if they felt like that, it would just be so much pressure. Um, so that's one thing is just really being mindful of the kinds of, um, that that these are that, that it's a tough job. That that the young people seem like um, they're in kind of an emotionally stable spot um, and can kind of be taking on this work. Especially if it's going to be if we're going to be having conversations about race and our indigeneity and and our pride and in in ourself and and those kinds of things. Um, those can be tough conversations to have. So um, we. Um, and and so the way we approached those was always, you know, with um, it was just our the the dynamic of me and the girls is is something that was a a relationship that was really built over years, and um and then it's it's so great to see them kind of grow as actors and how they they seem they are like. Better performers by the end than they were when we started making the movie, and um, but then of course what's so great about young people is that you can you can really see their natural talent before they've really necessarily developed those um, uh, tools as actors and that craft of, of being an actor. And that's a fun process for them to kind of explore, but it is kind of great to see that, that kind of raw talent that exists as well, um, especially in children.
2: And exploring some of the cultural aspects of this culture and sort of weaving it into the sci-fi horror how did you manage to keep the balance because i i again like i was saying before i found myself learning a lot while going through the story and it wasn't i don't know i don't know if heavy-handed is the right word that's not the right word it it was just it was just an existence of these people and these young girls who i learned from um you know what i mean i
1: totally know what you mean and i feel like that's just maybe what is missing when we're seeing other people portray indigenous people because it feels like we're having to show a culture rather than it just be told from from the place. And so we don't we're not feeling like we're having to explain because one, I'm also I'm making it with Inuit. So we're talking about it and it's like it's like when you're, um, my composers for the, for a lot of the music are these amazing indigenous DJs, a tribe called Red, now they now, now go by Hallucination, and they're, they are amazing musicians that are DJs that incorporate powwow music and drum into their electronic music, and we kind of talk about, we love working together, in part because there's just a bit of a shorthand in the way we communicate. We don't have to explain why we're doing things to each other for like, for certain reasons, because we just, we already know, we get it. And so kind of like having that, um, uh, the movie exists in that way because it is, you know, indigenous people making it, we are able to just, it just feels um, the, the, the the way that um, we talk and the way that, um, like we exist that's it, it's not like um yeah it's not performative in a way or trying to you know necessarily and I also felt really strongly that um with the genre a lot what a lot of people will place a metaphor on top of the narrative and they're, they're actually looking for the the metaphor and I love um an alien invasion movie I think that's actually lots of fun and it, it, it is enough of a enough story to sustain a movie. Uh, and, and so I, but then I also knew if we've got this Indigenous community, this remote Indigenous community, teenage girls facing an invading threat, that people would put that layer of colonization, uh, that, that narrative of colonization on top of that. So I felt to do any sort of nod to that would feel heavy-handed. So instead, let's just play it as a straight alien invasion movie and that people will add that narrative on. And I'm not bad at it.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Yeah, I was going to say it was something that, you know, I talked about with other critics and I'm like, the film sort of says it without being Um, overly sort of preachy or anything like that. Not that that's a bad thing or anything like that, but it's just, when you create stories um, with people and you create them as human beings, right? That tends to happen. Um, And then, you know, when you see a lot of cinema that is directed by Hollywood and non-Indigenous folk, there's always they're always putting on airs where it's like, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna make it sort of known that there's this outsider coming into this culture and what that's like and um you know we're writing these people as indigenous instead of writing them as people who are experiencing, you know, who are experiencing a change, and that's why I I really enjoyed slash back because it was just like these young adolescent girls going through something and you kind of just learn along the way as opposed to being like okay so this is the culture and this is <laughs> this is the culture and this is what they do and this is what they do for traditional purposes and here come these invaders and these invaders are calling you know like you know what I mean <laughs> you yeah add that extra layer of information the story speaks for itself so to speak
1: yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was really interesting hearing some of the feedback um, people have commented that the girls, that they were, um, they asked me why I chose to make the girls so modern. And I was wondering why I was getting that question more than once. And it was, um, I realized what? that- <laughs> I, ne- it, it, it had never occurred to me to make a, like a period piece. Because these we all live in the present, but it was this. Um, but I realized like people are used to seeing indigenous people in the past, and they're not used to seeing us exist in the present day. And and what I love about these these girls is like you know they, and I just knew that. Um, even if an alien invasion is happening, they're gonna be talking about boys, they're gonna talk about Justin Bieber, like all of the things that, you know, the teenage girls are talking about wherever you are, like they're also doing that.
2: <laughs> it's just really interesting that they would they would ask that question and it's just, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: I spoke to Michael Gray Eyes, who's another um, indigenous actor. And he talked about often, you know, encountering these, these characters that are separated from modernity and, and reality. Um, and I'm not, when you say that, I feel like I should be surprised, but no, I'm not. Um, you know, when you look at a film like Prey, for example, I don't know if you've seen it, um, it's, it takes place in the Predator universe and deals with, um, you know, these Indigenous folks. Um, in the late 1700s, and the predator and the alien invasions so was, um, and I thought that that was a really good attempt at trying. You know, even if it was like, you know, in a historic period, it still tried to tell a different type of story and putting an indigenous the forefront. But I, it just it just occurred to me when you said that how often, how little that's still happening. Um. You know, indigenous content and cinema is changing for the better because we we're we seeing shows like Reservoir Dogs. Unfortunately, Rutherford Falls just uh, was canceled, but we but that did exist at a point in time, and we're seeing other stories getting an opportunity to exist in the now. Um, how do you feel about the direction and where the portrayals? Um, of indigenous people from various tribes are are going, even though it's moving like massively slowly. but I'm curious to know
1: yeah, I think it's so exciting and I feel like it is changing um, I mean, yeah, it does feel like we've been um, uh, within the indigenous community using these these like, terms, uh, authentic representation, you know, for all of these, these kinds of things for a really long time. But really people were now hearing other people say it back to us, you know, for the first time. And it is exciting that before um, before Reservation Dogs, there wasn't a show that had, you couldn't say to, to a net, that there, there wasn't a network that had, uh, that had a show that had in, an indigenous writing team and indigenous directors and there just was not a precedent for that and now there is so now we can say oh yeah it's been done before so we can do it Um, and just that alone is is so exciting Um, and the we do kind of all know each other (laughs) and so it's like supporting each other and seeing what what everyone else is doing and Um, part of this work is also capacity building within our crews. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're, um, sharing crew members, we're, we're talking together, learning from each other's experiences. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting time. And I think that there's just such a wide variety of stuff that can get made. And there's such a, um, and that the, the next the, the kind of freedom that comes with just being able to make whatever kind of movie you want not having to be like oh what does it mean to make an indigenous movie and it has to be like this and or and um i i know that when i was in film school when i was younger kind of feeling guilty about the fact that i like horror movies and sci-fi i was and I felt like I should be doing something more important like documentary or, or these heavy dramas that talk about um, these really dark things that have happened to our communities. Cause there are really horrible things that have happened to our communities, but, I think, you know, the more I talk with my colleagues who are so amazing and do like this activism work, you know, that are able to say, you know, it's important to also have stuff that's fun and and shows our joy and um, and where we can just, you know, have, um, watch something that's just really fun and entertaining and feels empowering to our communities too. That's what I'm saying,
2: not be like, those stories are important too, right? So I just want to get that out the way, but sometimes <laughs> yeah. sometimes you don't want to be weighed down by certain things. Sometimes you just want to be entertained as you learn, as opposed to learning and hoping to be entertained at the same time. So I think that that's, that's what's important. Um, just, one, just quickly, one thing that you want people to get out of watching Slashback? Ooh.
1: Um, I just think it would be, yeah, just if they've never, maybe they've never really, um, I mean, there's not a lot of Inuit in the world, we're just, you know, and we kind of are in this really remote place, that's difficult to get to, so just a little bit of greater understanding of, of where we come from, and, and I think what's so cool is is, you know, when we can see each other in each other's stories... And realize that we're not so different. I think that's that's
2: what's exciting. Thank you, Nyla and Nookshuk. I really appreciate you coming on to the Thank you seen podcast and and just you know sort of expressing the process, the talent, and the mindset behind Slashback. I definitely hope more people get to watch. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a good week. Thanks, you too.